Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop. This is The Athletic Football Show. Welcome back. I'm Dane Brugler, joined as always by NFL.com's Lance Zerline. This is the Athletic Football Show, our midweek NFL Draft Edition, and now it's our post-draft uh, NFL Draft Edition. Uh, now that we made it through the weekend, 262 picks are in. Now, uh, this is the fun part of it, because we can, instead of trying to project and make educated guesses, we can reflect and kind of, you know, what caught us off guard, what uh, surprised us, what do we really enjoy about what happened, who killed it, who maybe left us a little bit underwhelmed. Uh, we're going to try to hit on all those things, but Lance, uh, how you how you feeling? I know, uh, you know, both of us had crazy last, uh, you know, five, six days. Uh, Got to feel good being back home and uh, starting to review this. Yeah, I was actually, um, I actually had gone to New York, so I'd gone to Boston uh, the last time we did a podcast, I was in Boston. My wife ran the marathon. And then right after that, we went back to Houston for a, almost two full days. Not quite. We got back Tuesday night and then Thursday we're off to New York because the wife had a, a trip planned and I had to step in and be a pinch hitter on the trip with her. So, you know, I told her, I'm like, hey, you know, it's kind of a busy time for me, this whole draft thing. So I went to New York Thursday through Sunday. So I ended up NFL Network said, hey, we want you to fly in and be ready for TV Monday. So I flew from uh, New York to Houston and then Houston to L.A. uh, same day. But we had like a three hour delay because of a plane issue. So it was a long uh, it was a long Sunday and then a long day of, of draft stuff or a long week, I should say, that entire week. But it's also at the same time, it's like it's a fun chaos. It's a chaos, but it's a fun chaos. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to spend time talking to people like James Jones about wide receivers the Packers could look at and his thoughts on Sky Moore and, you know, talking to Bucky Brooks. We had Kayvon Thibodeau in studio, and I wish he had confidence. You know, at some point, if he <laughs> develops any confidence at all, I think he's going to be okay if Might he can be come something. out of his shell yeah. a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah um, he was he, – he owes me – I brought up his uh, – his Bitcoin. So he told mm. his manager, we need to get him me. He was talking to some Bitcoin because I brought it up on the air for him. So I'm waiting for the Bitcoin to come in. We'll see if that uh, if that lands. But, you know, Dane, it was an interesting week because at the end when the draft was rolling. So you and I both knew there's not the superstars in this draft. You know, there's not the high end monsters um, in this year's draft. They had quarterbacks where we weren't sure they would where they would go. And then you had, you know, Wide receivers, offensive tackles, and pass rushers. Those were the three groups, and then two cornerbacks. Corners. And yep. it was really intriguing to see how those groups would go. Like, which, where's the run going to be? Is it going to be on tackles? Is it going to be on wide receivers? Is it going to be on um, pass rushers? So I thought there was some really, despite not having some hammers out there, I thought there were some really interesting storylines. And sure enough, you know, it ended up being cornerbacks ended up getting the first run. And and I don't know about for you, but that last week, so I know I talked about it here on, on our show. Um, I'd started hearing from LSU sources that the Texans were doing a tremendous amount of work on Derek Stingley. And so I was not caught off guard. He was in my my final mock draft. Um, it was actually my first mock draft. I had Stingley to Texans just because of a fit. And I figured his pro day would push him back up the boards because at that time he was not a hot name. And then my last draft mock draft, I had Stingley because the information that I had, I thought was pretty solid. And um, that, but that did, I think, end up causing some dominoes to fall. When it went Stingley, then Sauce, um, I think that the dominoes started to fall a little bit and we saw some things alter and change. And Seattle, I think, benefited by getting cross where they got them. And Ikea Kwanu all of a sudden was available at number six to Carolina. Yeah. Some interesting things happened in the first 10 picks. And, and I think the Giants sitting there at five, I think they were ready to take the tackle. 
But with no tackles off the board in the first four picks, they knew one of the guys they liked was going to be there at seven. So they mm-hmm. could take, uh, you know, the defensive end. And that's what they did with Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, Icky goes six, and then the Giants uh, get their guy, Evan Neal, at seven. And I think you're 100% right. Seattle, they benefit with Charles Cross. It's really interesting how Seattle, uh, and then they draft the running back, Kenneth Walker, in the second round. We know they're going to be, you know, a, a team that wants to run the ball. They drafted two tackles from air raid schemes uh, with uh, Charles Cross and then uh, with uh, Abraham Lucas. Uh, now, the fits in terms of, okay, Charles Cross is a left tackle only in, in college. Abraham Lucas was a right tackle only in college. Two pretty good players. So I, I like what Seattle did, but just interesting uh, how kind of they're, they're banking on those two players, uh, maybe showing us a little bit more uh, as run blockers. But I, let me start with this. We, we got to talk, talk about the quarterbacks. Um, no surprise. I don't, I don't think there was a big surprise that the first quarterback wasn't until 20. Um, you know, I don't, uh, you know, I, I had Kenny Pickett going to Pittsburgh in my mock that that's just what I kept hearing. That's what made the most sense. I had Malik Willis to Pittsburgh is the first one. So okay. we were both. Yeah. The later we got, uh, the further it got away and the tape started to speak and we stopped worrying about narratives and you stopped worrying about right. buzz and social media. When you really get through these and you, and you piecemeal it together, Dane, and I'm sure this is the same thing with you. It became really hard to find a quarterback fit. That's it. Any, well, it, anytime earlier than 20. That, that's why I kept telling, I kept saying two and a half quarterbacks in the first round. I'm taking the under. I mean, I, yeah, there could always be trades into the late first round and we see. Um, but again, I think that fifth year option for quarterbacks is vastly overrated. Uh, and it's something that, you know, we've seen you know, the Browns, Baker Mayfield. Uh, you know, you look at Sam Darnold. Uh, the Giants just declined Daniel Jones' fifth-year option. It's become more of a detriment if the quarterback isn't a clear-cut top guy. And by that time, chances are you're already trying to extend him. So, you know, mm-hmm. that fifth-year option for quarterbacks is not as alluring as I think a lot of people make it out to be. That's or, a great point. Or great maybe point. NFL teams thought at one time. So, you know, that that plays into the, the thought process, too. Um, but I, I even wrote this in my um, my second, my day two mock draft after the first round, that this will be the first time that uh, since uh, it was 2007 that we had more quarterbacks drafted second round than first round. I just assumed it was going to happen. And here we go throughout the second round, zero quarterbacks off the board in that round. That was more shocking than only one going in the first round. So Desmond Ritter uh, off the board, and then Malik Willis, uh, then Matt Corral. What what was your reaction to the quarterbacks when they went, uh, the dominoes? I mean, just kind of an overarching theory about, is it as simple as teams just didn't like these quarterbacks like we thought? Or are teams getting smarter about their quarterback evaluations where, you know, we're just, we're not going to reach, we're going to draw a line here? I mean, just what were your reactions with the quarterbacks? I think it was as simple, Dane, as number one, people work off of some old narratives like they all they always bring up Christian Ponder. Quarterbacks get picked up. Hey, they get pushed up. Remember the Christian Ponder draft? Yeah, it was a long time ago. Um, since then, there's also been an E.J. Manuel draft where Geno Smith went in the second round and E.J. Manuel was the only first-round quarterback to go. There's been the draft where I get it. Blake Bortles went third, but in that same draft, you had Teddy Bridgewater falling, and you had Johnny Manziel. Um, he fell some too from where it was expected. So I think what's happened, Dane, is it, the old the old adage is, or the the true adage is that when you draft a quarterback in the first, you start to the 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 hourglass on your job is now ticking, and there are NFL teams that understand third round is where you have backups who have a chance to become future starters. And I think what the NFL basically did was there's a huge disconnect between the general public, draft media, and social media, and then NFL. So let's take a look at this. Here's I, I, This is the, the format where we can get into this a little bit, and I'm curious to what you think because I've thought about this a lot. You know, I, I came out of the Senior Bowl, and we talked about this. I came out of the Senior Bowl, and I thought, ah, none of these quarterbacks were impressive, but I'll, I'll write – um, you know, I'll have something on Malik Willis because he did have a couple throws here in the rainy weather on Wednesday that were were good throws. So I highlighted those two plays that he made. And then I'm reading that Malik Willis was this standout at the Senior Bowl and just had some just 
you know, an incredible senior bowl just, and I thought, well, what did I miss here? I, I didn't see that. I thought T- Kenny Pickett was disappointing. Um, I thought in general, the quarterbacks across the board were really disappointing. The only guy that you could point to was some throws from Malik Willis. And so you didn't have a strong senior bowl, which is a huge part of it. You look at where Justin Herbert got drafted, and then you look at his senior bowl. Justin Herbert had a really good senior bowl, really good senior bowl when he was there. Um, Carson Wentz had a really good senior bowl. He was drafted early. None of these quarterbacks had a good senior bowl. And yet the narrative started to fly around that that wasn't Pickett. It was, it was Malik Willis. And then it turned into draft people on Twitter Malik Willis, Malik Willis, Malik Willis. And we all work off of the notion that quarterbacks could get drafted earlier than expected. That's not unusual. I do it. You do it. We all do it. I had a draft where I had Malik going six because I like to play around with different things. I have four mock drafts. My last one's my most serious one. But Malik Willis, I thought, well, you know, maybe a team that has a huge need in Carolina. Because all it um, takes is one. All it takes is all one. It, all it takes is one. That's the other thing that's always said. All yeah. it takes is one. But the but my draft grade on him, I had a 6-3 until I finally moved him up to a 6-4. A 6-4 would be back into the first round. A 6-3 would be a second round could become a, a plus starter. Um, and that's grading them on the high side. That's kind of grading the flashes. The tape wasn't very good. Lots of interceptions against lesser teams. Terrible against Middle Tennessee State. He was terrible against Ole Miss. But you see the potential. And you see there is upside with Malik Willis. There's upside with Matt Corral, with Ritter, all these guys. But, but, but Dane, is it enough for a team to risk their job on Willis, Pickett, Corral, Ritter, how and what we found is that teams stayed true to the tape on all these guys and into the to highlighting the weaknesses or the areas of concern. Kind of a one-year wonder for Kenny Pickett. He still went twenty. Matt Corral has some you know maturity issues that frankly concern some teams and some size issues. Desmond Ritter was kind of a one-year guy when you look at the the production of a first-round quarterback, and he has some accuracy issues despite everything else really checking a box for him. And Malik Willis is high ceiling, low floor. So I think what happened was the general public was kind of fooled by the narratives that were out there for so long, but the reality was NFL teams just stuck with the tape and stuck with the idea of do we believe that this quarterback – can lead us to competing for a Super Bowl? And how do they compare against Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Tua, just any of the young quarterbacks who have come in, come out over the last few years? And I think what happened was when they compared those quarterbacks versus quarterbacks over the last five years, and they compared those quarterbacks to what's coming out potentially next year, they punted. They punted. And the general public was fooled by the narratives that were out there about four quarterbacks in the first round for a long time. Instead, you got three in the third round. That's crazy. Never has there been that disconnect. It really is remarkable. And, uh, you know, we've talked about it before, how the Malik Willis um, narrative at the Senior Bowl was really strange because it was all, he's got this big arm, he's this good athlete. Well, we knew that already. And it's like, uh, you know, a lot of the media maybe does their first exposure to him. And so maybe they, uh, you know, just took it a little too far. But I mean, there was nothing about, and then it's, you know, the Steelers, uh, you know, being live at the Senior Bowl and seeing Malik Willis up close. And somehow that turned into, oh, well, well zero chance Malik Wallace. We, we know if Malik Willis is there at 20, the Steelers are taking him. And at what point it was, oh, well, they have to trade up to get him. But we know if Malik Willis falls to 20, there's, there's no way he's falling past there. I don't, I don't, I don't know how it. The narrative gets so twisted throughout the draft space. Uh, especially you had Kenny Pickett as the first quarterback off the entire time. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, to me, he was the top quarterback, to, and it just made the most sense. Where Malik Willis, I, I don't know. I really had to talk myself into. I, he was my number thirty-two overall player, and I had to talk myself into that. Like it was just okay. This is the highest I can go. I understand. That there's definitely upside here, and I. I could see a path yeah. where Malik Willis could become a starter, you know, three years down the road. But I mean, you can't just ignore the uh, the pitfalls and, and where it could all go wrong. And uh, that's where it's tough with quarterbacks because at what point is it worth rolling that dice, taking a, taking a risk? Uh, you know, it's easy for us to say, but to your point, when you're a general manager and every single pick gets so heavily scrutinized, uh, you know, it's just 
they would rather not take a chance like that uh, in, in the first two rounds that we saw that play out. So I, I, the quarterback I thing is who, fascinating. I saw people who I think are, are good football people and people who do this and, you know, kind of new media, not necessarily for old established, you know, ESPN or NFL or athletic or CBI. I'm talking about like new media guys who hustle and do good work. And I saw them throwing all their chips in on, on, on Willis and, you know, and I know they watch tape and you can't, you have to, you have to say the good with the bad, right. On all of these, I'm talking about on all these quarterbacks, right. But I think what happens is people get so, I think, unfortunately we're at a time, Dane, and you know this, where if you have an opinion on a, on a, on a player, it could be a quarterback, but whoever a popular player is, if you have a, an opinion that is not, that is not a positive opinion or that where you point out some things that maybe a player needs to work on, you catch backlash. Like you have to have thick skin because you're going to catch backlash. Well, similarly, if you go all in on that player and you're all in with that player, um, you're going to get a lot of likes and you'll get retweets and you feel good about yourself and your endorphins are flowing and like, man, I'm, I'm doing something great, man. Look how many, look how many people really love what I said, but is it accurate? Like, are you being accurate or are you getting likes? Which one is it going to be? Because at some point, if you're going to do this, I think that you have to be accurate and honest. And sometimes it's uncomfortable on social media because you're going to get backlash if you're really honest. But if you're really honest, you also will catch credibility. It just takes longer. It takes longer. But you get skewered like, you know, I don't – there's no question. I don't know how you feel about this, Dane, but there are times where I'm like, God, I hope I like this player. When I start watching <laughs> tape, like, sure. please let me like this player because I don't feel like dealing with the crap. But at the end of the day, my job is to be accurate, whether I like a player, or I don't like a player, whatever my, I think their strengths and weaknesses are, whatever I think their draft grade is and how I project them to be. I'm not trying to get you to like me. I just want to be accurate. That's all I want to be because to me, it means more that, that teams – and people like Dane Brugler and Daniel Jeremiah and, and and people who are in the space respect the work that I'm doing and the people who are hardcore fans who are reading my work because they want to respect what I say and they want an honest opinion. That's more important to me than trying to get a bunch of likes and retweets. That's that that does retweets and likes ultimately they go away, especially when you miss on a guy. Be accurate. Don't yeah. try to be right, be accurate. Well, and, and it, I think it's fair to point out too that it, we want to be accurate more so in two to three years as opposed to, uh, you know, on draft weekend. Because, you know, I mean, who knows? Malik Willis could turn out to be an NFL starter, a high-end NFL he's got starter. That, oh, he's got that upside. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, he's got a, that upside. that's a realistic outcome for him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't, how realistic is obviously up for debate, but a lot of teams were willing to not draft him and find out. So, um, all right, let's let's move away from quarterback a little bit. I want to talk about the first round. Your point earlier was Well, can I ask you one? Can yeah, I ask yeah. you one? How how shocked are you that Sam Howell went in the fifth? Like I had a fourth round grade on Sam. Yeah. So I was I was not that high on him. But then by the time it hits the fifth and it's Washington, I'm like, this is a great addition because there's no pressure on Sam Howell. And you got a chance to potentially find a future starter in the fifth round. I thought that was a great pickup in the fifth. Yeah, I mean, no question. I, I mean I, I think that some some told me the un, the interviews were a little underwhelming um, with him, uh, not bad, but underwhelming. I think was the word that was used. Um, so that I think was part of his tumble down the board. But still, fifth round that that, that was surprising. Um, I mean, I I did not see a first round player like a lot of people did. I, I graded he, like he was not a top fifty player uh, on my board. Like I I didn't see that caliber of guy. But still, to last to the fifth round, um, that that was that was surprising. And you know, all these quarterbacks. But I, I do like the fits, like Desmond Ritter for the Falcons in the mid third round. That's a good fit because the Falcons are in a total rebuild mode, and using a a third rounder on a guy like Desmond Ritter, like that doesn't stop them from drafting a quarterback in the first round next year. And Desmond Ritter is a guy that, regardless if he's starting or not, you want him in your quarterback room. Like he's a confident, smart guy. I want him in my quarterback room. So uh, you know, even if the the Falcons say they have the number one pick next year, and I don't think they're passing on a quarterback, uh, that doesn't mean that they, you know, don't like Desmond Ritter or is a wasted draft pick. It's just they have a chance to upgrade, and I don't think they w- would pass on that. Um, so that 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 was an interesting fit for me. Um, you know, Matt Corral going to 
Um, uh, the Panthers, that, that's another interesting one. The Panthers trade up into the third round to get him. Um, uh, Malik Willis to the Titans. I mean, so a lot of interesting I, fits. I, I thought, I love that that fit. Oh, yeah. I think Malik to the Titans, it's a power team. I swear to you, I keep flashing back to the old Titans when they came from the Oilers and they became the Titans and you had Eddie George Steve and McNair. Steve McNair. Yeah. So you had a hammerhead with a dual threat quarterback with a big arm and I, like, and they would physically try to impose their will on you. And now they got Jeffrey Simmons and a good defense. There is a lot of flashback potential to the early 2000 um, Tennessee Titans right now. A lot of flashback with Malik going there. I thought that was a really good fit for him. Yeah, that's a great call. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run? Take a nap? Read a book? Show up for a friend? Show up for yourself? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Showing up for yourself, that's a big one. That's exactly what therapy is. Doing what you need to do. Carving out the time that you need to make sure that you can show up for yourself and take care of what you need. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Maze today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Maze. All right, so uh, pivoting away from quarterbacks, just, I mean, you made this point earlier about the positions, but, you know, you could argue the four most important positions outside of quarterback Pass rusher, and then the, the the tackle trying to stop the pass rusher. Wide receiver trying to put points on the board, and then the corner trying to stop that receiver from putting points on the board. Those were the top twelve picks. Uh, those four positions, and it was interesting that in a draft where you know we were missing the quote unquote blue chippers, the high end talent, that teams went to those positions specifically as okay. Well, if we're picking this high. We're going to go to a premium position, and you know we're going to pass on a Kyle Hamilton. We're going to pass on um, some of these other players, and and, and go for those p- uh, positions specifically. Now, it helped that those were strong classes at the top and th- at those four positions, but still interesting. Was there a pick in the first round, uh, one through thirty-two, that you liked the most? Like, was there just one that you just you you're, you love the fit, you love the value? Uh, what stands out for you in the first round? Mm, that's a really good question. I think Evan Neal to the Giants immediately stands out. I mean, they have such a huge need. And I thought what's interesting is that Andrew Thomas played left tackle, right tackle in college. Mm-hmm. Evan Neal played left tackle, right tackle in college. I think what you have is an opportunity to find the best player for the best side from a tackle standpoint. So, yeah, it's a position of need, but it's also interesting because both tackles have left-right flexibility because they've been left-right starters from a tackle position. So um, I thought Evan Neal Evan Neal was a really, really good fit at, at number seven. And then, you know, honestly, I thought – I had Kenyon Green going to the Texans in my final mock draft. I, I might have been one of the Great only call. people there. But the reason for that, I had no inside intelligence – uh, in that, and, I, and some would say I have no intelligence. Period. Uh, there's a lot that might say that, but at number three, if I have Derek Stingley there, then I have to address either pass rush, which I figured there'd be no pass rusher there. I knew they weren't big in a, into Jermaine Johnson, so I scratched him off the board, and I looked at offensive line like they need help kicking ass and running the football. And the one guy that made the most sense to me was was Kenyon Green, and I don't get caught up in. I've, I've done enough of these, and so have you, Dane, where guys get drafted in different places where you think they're going to. Right. So I don't get too caught up. I got I, I try to just get the fit, the need, and the philosophy right and worry less about, well, everyone else has Kenyon Green going 21, and right. how could anyone see him going this early? To me, Nick Casario comes from the Patriots. Name a time when the Patriots drafted somebody where you thought they were going to get drafted. A little strange. I mean, what are we doing? Exactly. So for me, Kenyon Green at 13 just fit a big need for them, which is philosophically, they have to start running the football. And he's a good run blocker. 
And I just thought that he would make some sense at 13, and he ended up being the pick at 15 because of a trade. So I think that's actually a really good fit for them as well. Uh, I think the Jets were my favorite. Um, I mean, because that's what I, I my article. Up Their on the draft Ath- was incredible. Yeah, my, my article up on The Athletic right now. I, I don't do grades. I just, uh, and I, I power rank 1 through 32, my favorite draft classes. Not the best, you know, like not, it's, I don't use some analytical formula here. I just, who did I like the most? Like I, I, I lay it all out. One through thirty-two, my favorite draft classes, and, the, and obviously that's going to skew towards the teams that had multiple first-round picks and uh, multiple early-round picks. So the Jets—they were number one for me. Uh, you know, you think about uh, what they did in the first round, getting Sauce Gardner, which I was very surprised. I did not think they would go corner. That just—you know—you look at the history of that coaching staff. Um, but I—I I, I still love the pick. I, I think Sauce Gardner makes a ton of sense. Uh, Garrett Wilson, uh, you get him the Wilson to Wilson connection uh, for the Jets on offense, and then you're able to trade back up. Like, even if you didn't love Jermaine Johnson, I did. For, for him to fall to 26, I, I mean, what? I, I mean, I know some several of those teams. You know, they've got certain age requirements. You know, you can't draft a player that's 23 years old in the first round. Uh, Jermaine Johnson's not your. Uh, you know, like like his get off, I think is average compared to most first round pass rushers. Um, so I mean, I, I get why everyone maybe didn't love him, but for him, twenty five teams made a mistake letting him fall to twenty six. I I hundred percent believe that. Passing and the crazy thing to me, Dame, was he he got passed on by teams that needed rush, and there wasn't yeah. much rush left in the first round. Jeez, I was like, Packers, okay, you you yeah, absolutely, you absolutely didn't want. Well, I mean, the Texans. I mean, you clearly. Yeah didn't want Jermaine Johnson for some of those teams because I just didn't understand them passing. I'd heard that he had had some interviews where he rubbed some people the wrong way or whatever, and I I was down at a baggage carousel. Uh, Jermaine Johnson and a, and a guy from a team was down there, and he made a comment to Jermaine like, hey, I'll, I'll clean it up. But he basically said some of these teams didn't love the way that that you were in the interviews and I want to see you clean it up because I want to see you get as drafted as high as you can. I want to see you make as much money as you can and be the best player you can be, but make sure that you are respectful and blah. He, he, he had a, it it was a very stern message to him that he was trying to give him a heads up. I think it was after the senior bowl Uh, before you went to the combine, you got to make sure you play the game a little bit. So maybe that had something to do with it. Look, I just know that Jermaine Johnson doesn't have injury issues that I know of, doesn't have character issues that I know of, um, is a is a really terrific edge setter. Yes, he is 23, will end up being, I think, a 24-year-old rookie, which yep. does hurt him with some teams. Um, I think Cleveland only drafts players who are 21 years yep. old or younger, I think, for the most part. Um, just as an example of a team, to your point about certain teams. And I think Jermaine Johnson showed that he got substantially better as a rusher from game one on tape to the senior bowl. Man, there's no denying the fact that the spin move was already starting to get more fluid. And, you know, you could see him getting better. That was probably the most shocking thing. Malik Willis falling out of the first. I didn't have him in the first. Uh, or rather, I did have him in the first. I had Kenny Pickett out. So I only had one quarterback going number 20. Um, so it wasn't shocking that a second quarterback didn't go on the first. Jermaine Johnson falling that far, to me, was the biggest surprise of the first round. There's no doubt. Um, I, that that was a big surprise. And I mean, I, I, even like some of the other surprises, if you want to call them surprises, I, I think you can at least understand the the thinking. You know, the Cowboys going Tyler Smith at 24. Uh, yeah. you know, they wanted Zion, uh, Zion Johnson or Kenyon Green. Both those guys were off the board in the first 17 picks. Okay, what's plan B uh, is, okay, Tyler Smith. He's going to hopefully win the left guard job uh, as a rookie. And then he's our long-term success, uh, succession plan at left tackle behind Tyron. And, it, you know, it's funny. Like, I mean, Dallas, they wanted to move down and, and take Tyler Smith. Uh, they're actually talking to the Titans. And, you know, but, uh, you know, the Titans, uh, they were coming up to get Tyler Smith. So the Cowboys stayed put, took the player. And, you know, I, like, again, I, Tyler Smith was my 50th overall player in the draft. Like, I very, very raw... And that rawness worries me a little bit, but I can understand the Cowboys thinking there. Um, you know, it's the same th- Patriots taking Cole Strange. Like, I, I, I you know, I, it, is it a little bit of a reach compared to what we all think, uh, where we thought Cole Strange was going to be drafted? Yeah, but uh, the, we have to remember the Patriots, they have the smallest draft board in all of football. I mean, it, it's 75, 90 names. 
So once those guards, there was a run on those guards uh, in, in the top 20, okay, Patriots saw their chance to move back. Uh, and they, they knew they still had a good chance to land uh, you know their next guy in Cole Strange. So uh, it was just a weird draft where every year we see second rounders go in the first round. This year we saw maybe a, a third rounder go in the first round, according to you know what most of us thought going in. But you know the Patriots don't care. That's just how they operate. Yeah, I didn't think Strange was getting past mid fifties. Like Cole Strange to me was a lock in the second round. Um, I felt like Cam Jurgens was a two three in that neighborhood. But um, I think in general, to your point, I I always do projections. I talk to some different team sources. And I slot players. I've got my own grades, but then I slot them for where I think they're going to be projected to go. And most years, it's pretty accurate. This is probably the least accurate it's been over the last five years because once you got past the first seven or eight picks of the second round, it was a shit show, if I can say that on The Athletic. (laughs) I mean, the way people viewed pick number 40 through pick number 100 – they were all over the place. I, I had guys who I had slotted in the fifth round, like Wandell Robinson, yeah. going in the se- or, you know, early in a second. I saw guys who I had slotted, like Bernard Raymond, potentially late first, yeah. falling into the third. I mean, it was I was so far off on some of these. And even talking to teams, some of the sources I talked to were really off on this. Hey, Logan Hall going 33 was like the only thing that I was like, okay, yep, that makes sense. Check that off, check that box. And then that, mm-hmm. that's when all hell broke loose. Um, do you think- Ebiketti, you weren't that surprised no, no, with my no. fan Ebiketti. But Travis Jones going third? Uh, yeah, that was a surprise. I mean, I, I actually I was surprised how many I got right in my in my mock draft. Um, you know, it, like Cam Jurgens, I had ranked, I used my 49th overall player. He went 51, so I didn't think that was a reach necessarily. Right. Um, I, Sky Moore going 54. I, that thirteenth receiver drafted, that surprised me a lot. Uh, now yeah. the, the Sky Moore love got a little bit away from us. It over. got a little, it got a little out it of control. Did. It did, but still, um, he was not the thirteenth best receiver in my no, opinion. No, he so. was he was better than that. Like it, him going behind Wandale to yeah. me is pretty crazy. It is crazy. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but that's also why the Chiefs had a top three draft in my opinion. Trent McDuffie and George Carl Loftus in the first, and then you come back with Sky Moore. Uh, and Sky Moore, I, I, that was maybe my favorite pick of the entire draft. Getting him at 54, he's not an apples-to-apples replacement for Tyree Kill because they're very different players. But you think about how Sky Moore wins in a short game. Uh, he's going to be able to do that for the Chiefs. You think about how he can win vertically. He's going to be able to do that. With Mahomes at quarterback, Sky Moore, man, it, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, but also, I mean, getting Darian Kennard. It, it reminds me so much of Trey Smith last year. Uh, who, you know, from Tennessee, fell down the draft boards and then had this great rookie season. Darian Kennard, again, uh, another SEC blocker, fell down draft boards, and the Chiefs end up getting a steal on day three with Kennard. Yeah, I some of the guys, yeah, it's just uh, <laughs> it really is interesting to watch certain players. Like Kennard, watching what Duke Mannyweather's done to get his weight down and his body type, you know, where it needs to be. If you can keep your weight where it needs to be, if you're a, a canard and you can get your hands right and your discipline right with your hands, I mean, he's got a chance to really be a very, very uh, good NFL starter. And there's some, you know, some of those are some, I don't want to say big ifs, but they're, you know, moderate ifs, but you have to factor those things in. So, yeah, I think, I think Kansas City let the draft come to them. And they ended up with some really good football players. I mean, Trent McDuffie to me is just behind Sauce Gardner for me as yeah. the second best cornerback. Same when you here. factor in tape, um, you know, when you factor in tape, he's ahead of he's definitely ahead of Derek Stingley. But I get the Derek Stingley height, weight, speed trait stuff. I certainly get that. And the 19 tape is exceptional. Yes. So I get all that. Um, you know, a team that I really like, Dane, and I I should say, okay, really liked is is one thing. I thought it was a very interesting look at a draft and and I actually did like their draft was the Buffalo Bills and here's why it's for two different reasons number one they went with a pick so it's a team that doesn't have a lot of weaknesses would you agree with me on that oh yeah 100 percent. I think I think they're they were kind of hard to come up with team weaknesses and you look at cornerback was one of them Kyer Elam a very smart cornerback I think maybe the athletic testing and the speed you don't always see the same things on tape that you saw with his his 
testing. I think when he flips the hips and sprints, he's can be a little late to accelerate, which is why he got behind some speedsters and stayed behind them. Um, but a team told me early on in the process after cornerback, you better put Elam in the first round because that kid is exceptionally bright and he's going to really impress people in interviews. So I immediately, I started plugging him in the first round. And frankly, usually it was with the, um, the Buffalo Bills. That's the first place I put him. So you had the Bills getting Kyrie Elam, which is a position of need. And then two of the next three picks, James Cook at in round two with the 31st pick of the second round, and then Khalil Shakir in the fifth round. I think this is really intriguing because what it tells you is from a standpoint of, of matchups, they're trying to get a wide receiver, I mean a running back, who is more of a scat back, not going to be great between the tackles, but does have speed to the outside over the tackles, but more importantly is a nightmare to match up with out of the backfield. An absolute nightmare. So they got a matchup player in James Cook, and then Dane, in the fifth round, they came back and got Khalil Shakir, who as you know from studying him, this is a guy who is used just like Debo. You want to running back carries, jet sweep, uh, hitch routes, get the ball in his hands, short slants. He's as competitive as any wide receiver in the entire draft, with or without the ball in his hands. He's a super competitor. He tested better than I expected. And frankly, I think Buffalo said, okay, he plays the new style of hybrid running back wide receiver that so many teams are able to mismatch defenses with. Let's draft him. So you got a mismatch running back in James Cook and a mismatch wide receiver hybrid in Khalil Shakir. I love that they did that because what they're trying to do right now is just get over the hump and get to a Super Bowl. And maybe those are the types of players that can help them do that. Not to mention a, a guy with a monster leg and matter eyes have fallen to the sixth round. I mean, if he learns to hang the ball up just a little bit with hang time, that could end up being a huge weapon for one of the teams that had one of the worst, you know, punting games in the NFL last year. Yeah, and I mean, it's a Khalil Shakur has to be yeah one of the the best picks that I think that was made all weekend. Um, he's gonna see snaps right away. I mean, he's gonna be competing in that slot role. Um, I, I mean, he, he's that's a pick that's gonna pay immediate dividends, and we don't always say that about fifth rounders. Um, I we got to mention Baltimore uh, with what they did, it, you know, their first four picks with Kyle Hamilton, which I, I at that point uh, I I haven't seen this. Um, but maybe they addressed it whether or not they you know admitted they were sniped for Jordan Davis or not. But to get Kyle Hamilton then at fourteen, Tyler Linderbaum at twenty five, David Ajabo in the second round, and then Travis Jones in the third round. I mean, it's just. <laughs> I mean, we say that I, I I think I I say this every single year. Good players fall to the Ravens. It just it's 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 a coincidence, but it's not a coincidence. Um, and then in the fourth round, they had six picks, six picks in the fourth round, which we don't you don't you don't see that. that that's just rare. And they pick six times, get uh you know some really good players. I the Ravens, it's just this is how good teams stay good. Well, two of the picks were tight ends too. <laughs> Charlie Kolar and Isaiah Likely, you could argue. Ends, yeah. yeah, I mean, and but, you know, Charlie's not much of a blocker. No, he's not. He's got the wide traits. And Isaiah Likely is probably going to be relied on to block a little more, but Isaiah Likely a little smaller. So I could see them maybe using him as a as a flex uh, or as an H-back type where he lines up in the backfield maybe some. I'm curious to see what they do. Jordan Stout, the most accurate punter in the draft in the fourth round. Jalen Armour Davis, I think he's got a lot of upside. I think yep. Jalen Armour Davis is a future starter. They got him in the fourth. Falele, um, solid. You know, my questions are, where's the weight? Can you get the weight into the 360 range? Because I think you do have to watch out with him. Can he play any guard or is he going to be a tackle? But It's kind of Orlando Brown Jr. all over again. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. And, and people had problems with Orlando and he ended up being a, a starter and has been a quality starter. So, yeah, to see six players, Demarion Williams was the only one that I felt like was a little bit of a reach in the round that they got him. Uh, but he's a good football player and a highly competitive, feisty, tough player as well. Tyler Batty in the sixth round. Are yeah. you kidding me? This guy's going to step on the field early on and give you third down reps if you want it. Like, I mean, yeah. the Ravens had an unbelievable draft, in my opinion. I know the Jets are the winner, but I don't know how you could argue that the Ravens are right there with them. Yeah, for me, I went Jets one. Um, I actually I did go Chiefs two just because I, I think okay. getting 
uh, McDuffie and Carl Loftus in the first, and then Sky Moore I, at 54. I just I, I love what he's going to be able to do in that offense. Um, at Kennard later on, and I, I love their other picks as well. Uh, but then the Ravens were clear three for me. Uh, that that was the clear one, two, three on my rankings. My number four uh, was actually Detroit Lions. Uh, you know, being able to have the number two pick, you get Aiden Hutchinson, and then you are aggressive to go up and get your receiver in Jamison Williams. And this is a team that, you know, they are, you know, they're competing for the long term. You know, they're playing the long game here. And so the fact that Jamison Williams is going to miss camp, miss the first you know, month of the season, not a big deal at all. Uh, so Jamison Williams, whoever ends up being the long-term option at quarterback, they've already got the, the stud playmaker at receiver. Uh, and then they come back, they they get Josh Pascal in Kentucky. Uh, in, in the second round, one of the best run defenders in this draft has pass rush upside. Uh, talk about Kirby Joseph in the third. Really like James Mitchell in the fifth. You and I are both big fans of Malcolm Rodriguez. But he and he's, he's Malcolm Rodriguez is going to a situation in Detroit where there could be a path for him in training oh, camp to hundred percent. Not only get on the field, but see he's like, a future starter. Yeah, yeah. I, and it, Dan Campbell's going to love him. Aaron Glenn's going to love no him. Doubt. He's got the best instincts, maybe in the draft. He has the best pathways to the to the tackle. He he avoids he avoids blocks with this unbelievable talent. If he was one inch, if he was two inches taller with arms that were two inches longer, we're, he's a day two pick without question, without question. He's, he's immensely anticipatory, can drop back in coverages. Um, he just doesn't check the height weight. He checks the speed box and explosion box. He's, he's fast and explosive, but just the, 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 the length, the overall length form is not where it needs to be. But He's the draft crush of a lot of people out there. I thought I liked him. Brian Baldinger was was hmm. I mean, might be Baldy's favorite player in the last three years. He loved him, and I was a huge fan. I know you are. I think anyone that watches tape, you fall in love with him because well, it's, it's just so fun yeah. to watch him. You you just see his mind processes so quickly, and that's one of the things that makes him fun. He just you know you just always knew with sub thirty inch arms it could end up hurting him. Yeah, and, and you find out about his background being a. a you know, a quarterback in high school, being a state champion wrestler, and, uh, you know, just the kind of the path that he's come from is really, really interesting. Now, I, there's no such thing as, I mean, losers, you know. Um, I, I mean, I hate using that term even uh, when we talk about these draft picks because time will time will tell, you know, what happens. But it, was there a team or two or pick or two that you thought, eh, I didn't love it. Uh, you know, this is something that, you know, kind of, kind of bothered me just because I, I don't know why they went this direction, or I'm not sure what their overall plan is. Uh, were, were there any picks or any team classes mm-hmm. uh, that that kind of bothered you in that respect? Yeah, I mean the Giants. Um, obviously, Thibodeau and Neal. I mean, you fell into that. You were yeah. going to the Giants would have to really work hard not to have a good draft in the first round um, because where they drafted, they were going to be good football players, and they got two good ones, Thibodeau and and Evan Neal. I just think when you look at what they did, I feel like they drafted a bunch of backups and uh, Wandale Robinson just way too soon for a guy who's mm-hmm. not exceptionally fast, is undersized and had trouble fump, uh, handling punts. And he's a slot only like that's not the that's not the spot you draft. And I get that they don't like Kadarius Tony and he'll be gone no matter what they say. They're not going to they don't like him. No. I just I that just seemed that just did not seem like a good pick to me, um, especially over like, who was. The, I mean, he. I think he was only like the eighth receiver, ninth receiver. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of receiver talent still in the. A board. lot of guys you could have gone with. Um, easy, and I and I don't begrudge teams for having different right boards than me or you. I mean, they're the ones who do this for a living. That's. I just thought from the standpoint of having a wide receiver who's so limited, there's yeah. a limited scope of how he can influence a game. Uh, not that he's not a, a talented player. I think Wandale's a talented player. There's a lot of ways that he can. But there, that's not the profile of a 43rd pick. That's my big problem there. Easy Udu, I like him. I didn't really have a huge problem with that pick, honestly. Agree. Agree. Uh, Cordell Flott, I thought Flott, that's too early for a player who is as yeah. raw as he is. To me, he's like a fifth rounder that you try to develop. Um Bellinger, I'm I'm okay with Bellinger in the fourth. Uh, Belton, I thought that was a little early for me for Belton. Micah McFadden, I felt based on the linebackers that went, I thought that was early for Micah McFadden. DJ Davidson, and once again, these are all personal opinions based on how I graded them. I just felt like they got a bunch of backups 
Um, and I just, I don't see as much high upside for some of these guys. I wanted to see a little more upside for some of the picks. They had a lot of picks. I just didn't think they came away with the quantity of picks they had. I would have rather they packaged a couple of those picks. You know, the Belton pick and the McFadden pick, package those two, the fourth and fifth, and get up into the back end of the third and get somebody of of consequence in the third. So uh, I just didn't love the way they operated their draft, honestly. I, I'm, I'm finding a hard time disagreeing uh, with uh, with what you said. I, I had similar grades on on Flot. Um, I, I am a big Michael McFadden, McFadden fan, so I was I was good with that one. Um, uh, the best blitzing linebacker in this draft, uh, arguably, and, and he tested much better than I expected. But mm-hmm. um, I, 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 I yeah, I find myself agreeing very much with uh, with what you said. All right, uh, I think that's going to do it for us. I mean, it, any any parting shots on this class? Um, any, anything else you wanted to add? I mean, I I actually I posted no. twenty twenty three mock today, so I, I you know I'm ready to turn the turn the page. Turn uh, okay. So do you like do you like doing those mocks, the future mocks, or is that no. something you just get assigned? It's, it's stupid. Yes. Okay. Okay. So good. I didn't. That was about to be super, super uncomfortable based on what I'm going to say. <laughs> I spent uh, Jim- <laughs> weeks working on this, and I will be right. So luckily, I don't have to do it because the NFL will not comment on um, underclassmen. Right. So it's I'll never have to do that one. Um, but Jim Nagy, I think, had a really interesting tweet yesterday. He said, "You wonder sometimes if a guy like if a guy like uh, um, Sam Howell is hurt by some of these." way too early mock drafts that come out right after the mock because agents look at some of these and they say, okay, who are some guys that we need to start recruiting right away? Now I got news for you. You're also late to the game sometime if you're just starting based on a mock draft list because these guys are doing work way earlier than that. But his point was some of these way too early mocks, do they start creating narratives for players? Because we know who the way too early's had last year. It was like Spencer Rattler, uh, Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, Brock Purdy. Like Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. Spencer Rattler's not even with the team and Sam Howell went in the fifth. So Jim's point was these way too early mock drafts, do they end up putting, do they give players a false impression of who they are? before they even start, you know, that next season and maybe get them on the road to coming out when maybe they shouldn't come out. We know that it's never going to stop. I mean, yeah. it's content that people like to read, so it's not going to stop. Do you think there's any do you think there's anything to what Jim had to say? Jim uh, Nagy, senior bowl director. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. I mean, yeah, I mean, Jim's a good friend, uh, you know, to both of us. I mean, my my only disagreement would be like I, I mean, I'm getting these names straight from from teams. Like I, I've done very little work on next year's class, and so the names that are included in my mock draft are straight from discussions I've had with teams. So at this time last year, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, Sam Howell, should I put him top five? And like, I mean, teams are telling me, yeah, I don't think that's like crazy. Like they all, you know, that that could happen. Like, so it's not like you know, um, I mean, I, I, obviously there are other mock drafts out there, way too early mock drafts that are more just kind of throwing stuff at the wall, see what sticks. But yeah. I know for me personally, my mock draft that I do my way too early. And, and I even say this in the, in my intro, I, this is, I, 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 I literally say, this is silly. Do not take this as I'm trying to be accurate. <laughs> this is a 32 person, 32 prospect watch list. That's it's just packaged as a mock draft, but take this as a 32 player guys to watch next fall and all, I like it. All 32 of these names, I'm getting straight from teams. Like, I mean, obviously, I watched a lot of CJ Stroud, you know, studying Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. And I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of CJ Stroud. And some of these other quarterbacks, I've seen enough of Bryce Young. I've seen a lot of, you know, Jalen Carter from Georgia. So it's not like all these guys are foreign to me, but a lot of these names, especially in the back half of my round one mock, I'm getting from teams that they liked or they have, you know, high hopes for optimism for. So I think it is, you know, what Jim said is there's truth to it. Uh, You know, that that's how narratives get formed. But at the same time, I, you know, I, I, I don't think it's blame shouldn't be placed on those of us in the media that are just talking about players. You know, if, yeah, you know, right. if, if people take and take it and run with it, and, and maybe you know, uh, you know that that's I don't I think I don't think we deserve the blame for that. I'll put it that way. No, and I don't think Jim was blaming. He just kind of was wondering out loud if any players 
and agents kind of get pushed in a direction that maybe they shouldn't be going in based on the way too early mock. He was just kind of thinking out loud. Yeah. I just wanted to bring it up, see what you thought, because I'm glad I don't have to do it. Um, oh, sure. And I know that's not your choice either uh, to have to do it. We don't like giving draft grades. I have to do a draft grade show. It's a test that's never been taken. So why are you grading that test that hasn't been taken? You know, and it's right. based on our personal opinions, yeah. and we don't have background information that NFL teams have. So we're operating with less information than they have, just mm -hmm. with our opinions. So um, it's all interesting fodder and conversation, and I enjoy doing it. That's why we have this podcast. But it's been a pleasure doing a podcast with you again, oh, my man. Awesome. It's a uh, Always being able to catch, check in with people who see it kind of the same way, like approach it the same way I do. Right. And that we always have, um, I mean, my gosh, I'll still, I never forget sitting here saying I had Trayvon Walker as like a second or third round guy because he couldn't rush and he ends up being the first pick of the draft. I did come around a little bit on number one, I thought he was an elite edge setter and run defender, mm -hmm. and that needs to count for more when it comes to, but then when he tested and I saw him bend at the senior bowl and I mean at the combine and I was like, okay, I don't see this on tape. Yeah. So maybe there's something that here to him being able to line up outside. I never got any higher. I mean, I still have him 14, 15. That's as high as I could go with them, but um, always good to have the the disagreements and, and be able to get fresh perspective on players. It helps me a lot in my process. So yeah. um, I certainly enjoy doing it with you. Yeah. And you know, back in January uh, I took heat for him being my number six player. Um, and I didn't really even give him that much of a bump after the combine. I moved him up to number five, you know, because I that what he's showed at the combine. I to me, I, I kind of saw those traits a little bit uh, on the film that got me excited. You saw projectable, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I mean, guys that size shouldn't be able to move like he did, and so. Uh, but yeah, I, it's been a lot of fun doing this podcast because if you and I are going to talk regardless about players, you might as well hit record, right? So uh, yeah, that's right. Sh share that's share a the great way to look at yeah, it. share the insight with the people. So. Um, outstanding job as always by Lance this year on NFL.com. Make sure you're checking out um, uh, his work, uh, both TV and on the website. As uh, we, we kind of wind down uh, my stuff on the Athletic, my one through 32 favorite draft classes, my 2023 mock draft is up. Um, I know we'll have a few more things draft related before we take a little bit of a break. But uh, I just want to say thank you to all the listeners as well. Uh, you know, the, our listenership has been up uh, big time from last year. And so it's continuing to grow. And that's awesome. Uh, we'll keep doing it. Um, so this is not the last you'll hear from us. But uh, I think we can put a kind of a pin in this uh, 2022 uh, draft cycle. So for, for Lance Airline, I'm Dane Brugler. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you down the road. This was the Athletic Football Show. Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, Join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.